So you made it to part two. Uh, initially, when I wrote Sunnydale, it was only going to be a single part pilot. Not because I didn't want it to be longer, but because I never thought in a million years I could get that many amazing actors in one place uh, at the exact same time. Logistically, it was incredibly challenging to get them all booked um, for a nice two plus hour block. But we ended up working it out. Uh, my friend Mylin really, really wanted me to write the second part of the pilot, Welcome Home Part 2, uh, which ended up acting almost like a little bit of a season finale. So there's a lot more action. It's a lot more bombastic, and I think you guys are going to like it. I hope you enjoy. Please let me know if you do. And again, thank you so much for listening. everybody's you guys back. are delicious you guys are so i just freaking love this <laughs> i do too it's so much fun oh it's so cozy <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go uh welcome home part two uh written by me ash Sevilla. fade in interior mary's nightmare catacombs we see the silhouette of a young woman standing before a stone door etched with a circular uh, seal dripping with fresh blood She's surrounded on all sides by vampires who sprint toward her, bearing fangs. She reaches into her back and draws a silver sword long from its sheath and whirls it around with, pre with precision. One by one, the vampires erupt into clouds of dust, unable to break her defenses. She looks up as an impossibly large vampire, old and scarred, strides through the pack with confidence, Minigon. Before she can react, Minigon closes on her, lifting her up in the air and examining her with curiosity. She struggles, attempting to break his grasp, and looks deeply into his eyes as she loses consciousness. We see the face of Felicity reflected in his blank pupils. The vampire holds her aloft and drinks. We see Felicity's blade fall to the floor. Cut to math class. We see Mary Jolt awake, uh, gasping for air and drenched in sweat. Every student in the class whips around, and a few draw their phones to record. Aaron, we're going to change this to Mrs. Hopkins so you can have another fun character. Okay. <laughs> her math teacher, Mrs. Hopkins, pauses and rolls her eyes. Mary looks around embarrassed and slowly regains her composure. Ms. Harper, rise and shine. Mary sheepishly waves at Mrs. Hopkins, who does not wave back. I'm sorry, Mrs. Hopkins. I, I just... Mrs. Hopkins walks to her desk, grabs a hall pass, and holds it aloft. Oh, I insist. Take a moment to do whatever it is you have to do, and come back when you're ready to add some numbers. I'm sorry, I just... Mm, no need. Just get out and stretch your legs. <sighs> Mary grabs the pass and heads out of the room as a handful of other students laugh and whisper. <laughs> Cut to Sunnydale High School bathroom. Mary pauses in front of a dirty mirror, which is tagged with Sharpie and littered with chewing gum. She stares in her own eyes as images of last night's battle flash before her. We see the distorted faces of the tall vampire as he drank from Lincoln's neck. We see the vampires erupt into dust as the stakes penetrate their hearts. We see the comical look of terror turn to wonder on Fergie's face as the vampires were defeated. Mary holds up her hands in front of the mirror as they begin to shake. Together. Hand taps Mary from behind, startling her and causing her to spin dramatically in reaction. Standing a few feet behind her is Nora, who quickly takes a step back. Easy there, Harper. Mary, startled, leans against the sink and raises a hand in an attempt to apologize. Wow, you look like shit. You okay? Nora approaches slowly to get a better look at Mary, genuinely concerned. Yeah, I think I'm just having an anxiety attack or something. Just can't catch my breath. Are you on anything? Mary pauses, looking somewhat annoyed. Yeah. Anxiety. We've all got it. I think it's the constant threat of viral humiliation. Mary nods, and her posture react relaxes. It's a shitty time to be a teenager. Can't say I disagree with that. Uh, mind if I try something on you? It's just a little uh, holistic thing my granny used to do to me to help me take naps when I was a terror. I, it won't hurt a bit. I, I guess so. Okay. All I need you to do is close your eyes tightly and count down from 20. Got it? 
Down from 20, got it. You see Mary clench her fist tightly in anticipation of whatever prank may be coming. Audiumentus, audium cortis. What are you? Shh. Start over. Eyes closed, down from 20. 20, 19, 18. Nora raises her finger to Mary's forehead, who flinches for a moment and then relaxes. Audium mentis, audium cordis, audium mentis, audium cordis. We see the smallest flicker of blue light jump from Nora's finger into Mary's forehead. We see, we see Mary's body language start to change as if she was injected with bliss. I feel... <laughs> the first one is free. Mary opens her eyes and smiles. No, really, that should last at least a few hours. It's just pressure points. Thank you. I... It's really no problem. A word of advice, though, Harper. Don't take high school too seriously. It'll all be over soon. Nora spins on her heels and makes her way into the stall, closing the door behind her. We see Mary stare at her hands in the mirror. They're no longer, sh they're no longer shaking. <sighs> Cut to the interior of the Harper's house. Day. Uh, Mason and Avery sit at the kitchen table with a pile of old texts in front of them. Both look incredibly uneasy. Mason puts his book down, takes off his glasses, and starts to polish them on his shirt. Oh, what's the plan? Avery looks up from under her glasses with a stern look on her face. What do you mean, the plan? Mason's teeth clench as he stares into Avery's eyes, clearly frustrated. Right now, they're just normal girls with no training. We can't expect them to survive what's coming. We're beyond Rusty Mason. We had trouble with a single vampire last night. Frankly, it was embarrassing. Avery looks at the texts on the table and then back to Mason, who is turning more red by the moment. If we can find the artifact, we can destroy it and get them off our backs. Tears start to flow down Mason's face as he remembers something painful. Avery, we have a chance to let them live normal teenage lives. <sighs> You know they'll never let that fly, Mason. Our girls are nuclear weapons. Mason we... wipes away his tears and looks away. Using them as weapons is the way it has always been, Mason. Mason grimaces and awkwardly puts his glasses back on. I can't run from it. How many have to die, Avery? Alex and Mary are our girls. Our girls. We raised them. Avery sighs, puts her heads to her, puts her hands on her temples, and starts to massage them slowly. Look, we chose to keep the truth from them. Eventually, we're going to have to come clean. Mason offers his hand, and Avery grabs it as their eyes meet. I just thought all of this was behind us. I thought we were done after what happened. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. <sighs> Let's get to work. Cut to the bronze. Daytime. The bronze is nearly empty. Tim hauls a large crate of wine down a set of stairs into the basement while Felicity sits at her booth chatting with Horace, the bartender. Horace, my absolute favorite demon. How are the numbers? Horace smiles a toothy grin and stares at a spreadsheet filled with numbers and doodles. Selling well, despite the recent disruptions. Well, this is what happens when you open up a club on a hellmouth. Great foot traffic and lots of undesirables. We see four vamps enter the bronze, wearing primitive medieval garb. They are taller and more muscular than normal vampires with exaggerated features and elongated fangs. Horace, go fetch Tim out of the basement and stay down there. These boys aren't here to talk. Felicity gets up and walks over to the bar as the vamps quickly move towards her. We're closed, boys. We'll be opening up in a few hours. I'll put you four on the list. How does that sound? The largest of the vamps springs forward, shoving Felicity off her feet into the bar. She pauses <laughs> for a moment as a smile creeps across her face. <laughs> now that was a silly thing to do. Felicity reaches behind the bar and draws a long silver sword with an ornate handle. Now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to dust. Felicity whirls, spinning her blade in a wide arc and decapitates two of the vampires with a single swing. Their bodies explode, sending dust all over the bar. 
The largest of the vampires howls and charges Felicity while thrusting wildly with his claws. Felicity shifts her weight, grabs the vampire's arm, and tosses him into the bar, smashing it to splinters. Felicity turns and faces the last vampire. Tim, get up here! The final vamp closes on Felicity as she widens her stance and narrows her eyes. She swings her sword with precision, landing a number of blows to the vamp's midsection, slowing him down but not stopping him. She takes a few steps back, grabs a piece of the bar, and tosses it perfectly into the vamp's heart. He explodes mid-step. The largest vampire stands up, surrounded by the broken bar, tilts his head, and starts to hiss. Oh, stop prattling and come fight me, you ugly bastards! Come on! Felicity swings her sword, nearly decapitating the vampire, but he blocks the blade with the meat of his forearm. The sharp blade sticks into the bone, allowing him to yank it from her grip. He grabs the sword by the handle and tosses it across the room. Now, I would have kept that sword, but you do you. The vampire charges while swinging his claws wildly. Felicity manages to block each and every blow without breaking a sweat. She kicks the vampire in his shin, shattering his leg bone, and then quickly follows up with another kick that sends him into the broken bar, where he bursts into dust. Tim enters the room from the basement in a hurry, taking the door right off the frame. You're too late, meatball. Tim hangs his head and starts to shuffle toward Felicity, clearly upset with himself. Oh, fetch the dustpan and broom from behind the bar. Cut to high school courtyard. Mary and Alex sit at their lunch table unpacking food while Fergie and Lincoln approach. How's the holes? Alex motions towards Lincoln's neck, and he's currently covered. Uh, it's currently covered up with the black turtleneck. Uh, sore. I think folks think I'm cosplaying Young Rock or something, so I may just keep this look forever. Fergie plops down but doesn't start to eat. Not eating, Ferg. <sighs> Fergie holds his belly and shakes his head. Nope. Big dinner last night. Aren't you two uh, superheroes or something? No, I, I don't. I don't actually know. Lincoln takes a bite out of his sandwich and stares into the middle distance. Doctor Avalon knows something. She knew something was going to go down last night. Yeah, she saved our asses. Did anyone else see the trench coat? Nobody says a word. Against dress code, trench coats. We need to talk to Avalon. I've been having dreams, weird dreams, every time I close my eyes. Maybe she knows something. Alex pauses, looking concerned. Dreams of what, Mare? How come you didn't say anything? I guess I was just trying to figure them out. Good dreams? No. Mostly people dying over and over again. Metal glove? It's all weird. Lincoln spoons his school gruel, but doesn't take a bite. So, we went until after class today and asked Dr. A to spill it. If she says no, we get Mary to kick her ass. Sound good? All right, cut to the AV room. We hear the bell ring. Lincoln, Fergie, and Alex and Mary stand from their desks and move toward Dr. Avalon, who's slowly erasing words from the whiteboard. Dr. Avalon turns quickly and moves toward the storage closet in the back of the room. Follow me. Are we really going to follow her into that closet? This is exactly what mom told us to never do. I don't know why, but I trust her. The four stand with their arms crossed as Dr. Avalon moves to the back of the room and starts moving a large rack on wheels. The rack slides, revealing a small hole in the floor with a metal ladder descending into the darkness. Alex, Mary, Lincoln, and Fergie all exchange uneasy glances. Grab a flashlight and watch your step. Avalon begins to descend slowly and vanishes down a ladder into a small hole in the closet. Someone hold this. She tosses her cane in the air and Fergie catches it. Narnia, here we come. The group descends the ladder into the darkness as their flashlights dart in all directions. We cut to the catacombs. The catacombs are pitch black with newly formed corridors carved into solid rock. White arrows painted onto the walls seem to be guiding the group deeper underground. Where are we going? Almost there. Just a few more turns. Dr. Avalon moves slowly through the narrow tunnels with the kids on her heels. Just, where are we? What are all of these tunnels? You are in Sunnydale. Well, what's left of it anyway. Not everything that collapsed in the earthquake was destroyed. Some of it was just... The group comes to a set of wooden doors which are still intact, but rest at a slight angle. 
Dr. Avalon approaches, pulls a key from her pocket, and unlocks the door and steps inside. We cut to a sunken library. Dr. Avalon flicks on a nearby light switch, causing the overhead lights to slowly flicker and illuminate the room. We see a two-story library filled with racks of old texts. Two small staircases lead to an upper level that has been converted to an area designed for physical training with punching bags and archery targets. The library's old counter is still intact. This is insane. What is this place? Dr. Avalon walks to the middle of the room as tears start to well in her eyes. This library... Avalon <laughs> clears her throat and looks around. This library belonged to the old Sunnydale High School. How do you know about this place? Mary looks around, confused and somewhat overwhelmed. I've been renovating it for years, hoping that I'd have a reason to use it. You owe us an explanation. You need to skip the bullshit and just tell us everything. Enough with the cryptic. Fergie raises his hand. I just want to know what's up with that trench coat. Not the time, man. Dr. Avalon limps over to Mary and Alex, who are both looking scared. You both are different. You were born special. Your potentials. More buzzwords. A, a potential what? Mary looks around the room as images of past slayers flash before her eyes. Kendra, Faith, and Buffy. Slayers. We're potential slayers. Your abilities have started to manifest. I still don't get it. I've been practicing. <clears throat> Into every generation, a slayer is born. One girl in all the world, a chosen one. She alone will wield the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness. To stop the spread of their evil and swell of their number. She is the Slayer. Alone. You said alone? For the time being, there can only be a single Slayer. The moment one Slayer dies, another is chosen. Dr. Avalon slowly nods while looking Alex in the eyes. Mary walks around the room while the rest stay silent with all eyes on her. Not so long ago, there were hundreds of Slayers all around the world, but that magic has since been undone. Magic is real? That explains so much about so many things. So what does a Slayer do? You live your normal life. Go to school, get your driver's license, do your homework. But when bad things happen here in Sunnydale, you do your best to stop them. Oh, do you know so much? The short version? After my accident at graduation, I spent my life researching what exactly happened to me. The Slayer saved me. And now I feel as if it is my duty to save the Slayer. Thanks. Alex motions around the room. We're 16. How is all of this our responsibility? She's right, Dr. Ray. We all almost died last night. I've, I've got freaking holes in my neck. Mary walks towards Dr. Avalon and looks her in the eyes. What about Alex? You said she was a... A potential. Yes. We think this is the case. But until you're gone... She's as normal as Lincoln or I. Alex looks at her hands and then down to the ground, frustrated. Why should we trust you? You asked me for the truth, and this is it. What you do with the truth is entirely up to you. Mary takes a deep breath and looks around the room, then at Alex, Lincoln, and Fergie. I'll do it. I'll fight. Alex steps between Mary and Dr. Avalon and grabs her sister tightly by the shoulders. We don't have to do any of this, Mary. We can leave. We can run away and not worry about any of this monster bullshit. You, by no means, have to save this screwed up town. I keep seeing the ones that came before me, Alex. The other girls? I feel what they felt. Lincoln approaches and puts his hand on Mary's shoulder. What did they feel? Confidence. 
sadness, I don't know, duty? It's hard to say, really. I just know this is something I have to do. Alex turns to face Dr. Avalon, who is now smiling. Well, I go where she goes, with or without powers. Dr. Avalon walks towards the library desk and slides a huge book from the counter that reads, Vampire. Here is tonight's homework. Uh, I know knowledge is power and all that, but are you also going to teach us how to fight? Because I'm not feeling the whole dying thing. Oh, I'm not going to teach you how to fight. She is. Dr. Avalon points to the entrance of the library. We see Felicity standing in the doorway with Tim by her side. She steps into the light as a grin creeps across her face. Who is this? She's the Slayer. Cut to the catacombs. We see dozens of vampires crowded around a stone door with a circular rune retched into, uh, etched into its frame. One of the vampires attempts to open the door, but is incinerated as soon as his hand touches the rune, forcing the rest to fall back in fear. We see Minigon, the ancient vampire clad in black armor, approach the seal with a thick book in one hand. He opens the text and starts to read the ancient words. It aporit ostium. Utu volo ut ire non postum, untirius atque arcanum milum. Minigon grabs one of the smaller vampires and presses his head against the seal. The vampire shrieks and bursts into flame and then dissolves. In frustration, Minigon grabs another vampire and hurls him against the seal, causing him to erupt. Minigon tosses his text in frustration, turns, and walks away. Find me your way in! So good, man. All right, interior, the Harper's House Day. Mason opens a large chest filled with old tomes, metal crosses, and various ornate blades. We see Avery sharpening a wooden stake in the background, looking determined and angry. Mason pulls an old scroll from the chest and unfurls it onto the table. We see an image with a similar rune drawn on ancient paper in what appears to be blood. So, how do we breach the seal? There has to be a spell to undo the magic. We just have to keep looking. Avery flips through one of the books, frustrated. It's not like our selection of texts is comprehensive. Ugh, I feel useless. I have a few more boxes I'm hiding in the garage. I'll dig them out. Aren't you afraid the girls will stumble across all of this and have questions? Have you met our girls? They've never unpacked a box in their lives. Good point. Avery looks down at one of the texts on the table, and we see the sketch of an ornate steel gauntlet worn by an impressively large vampire. The Glove of Minigon. You don't think it's at all possible that any of the texts from old Sunnydale survived the collapse, do you? No way. Not possible. Everything that got swallowed into the Hellmouth is dead and gone. Cut to the sunken library. Felicity approaches the group with confidence while Tim stands motionless by the door. She is dressed in dark clothing with her sword slung across her back. You're a slayer? How are... How am I alive? Yes. How are you alive? Felicity saunters towards Mary. Alex stands in her way in an effort to shield her sister. <laughs> you must be Alex. Dr. Avalon, you said there can only be one. How is she here? Easy, easy. She's not a slayer. Not anymore. Mary moves from behind Alex and approaches Felicity. So, what are you? I, Mary, am going to be your watcher. You don't need to worry about the rest. Felicity is going to train you to stay alive, save the world, and, and all that. Lincoln walks towards Tim, who slowly turns to look at him as he approaches. Holy shit! Is this dude a Frankenstein? Felicity raises an eyebrow, clearly annoyed. Call him that again, and I'll let him tear you apart like a bloody wishbone. Lincoln bows before Tim and slowly backs away, terrified. <laughs> He's a magical construct. A golem. His name is Tim. Like Tiny Tim? Uh, I get it. Tim hears the name Tiny Tim and starts to advance towards Fergie, furious. <clears throat> Don't call him Tiny Tim. It's short for Timothy. Felicity smirks and holds her hands up, causing Tim to freeze in his tracks. He chose the name, and we don't know why. 
Felicity approaches Fergie and begins to sniff him like a dog. She squints, slowly bends down, and whispers in his ear. Your secret is safe with me. Fergie's eyes widen, but he says nothing. Felicity slowly walks over to Mary and Alex and draws her sword from its sheath. That sword. Mary eyes the sword, remembering it from her vision. You lost it. Well, I got it back. Long story. Felicity smiles and stands before the group. So, let's get started, shall we? Questions? Concerns? We cut to the kitchen. Alex, Mary, Mason, and Avery sit at the dinner table with pasta piled high in their plates. Alex is eating quickly, while Mary slowly picks out her food, clearly troubled. I'd love to check out the commercial you guys shot. You know, we recorded everything in the 80s on VHS before the fancy phones that could do everything. I used to love dragging around my camcorder back in the day. Alex stuffs her face and realizes that Mary isn't responding. Oh, I, I don't know if Lincoln is going to use what we shot. The teacher is cool, so the class should be a breeze. Oh, you two have that class together. That's lucky. Mm, at a homeroom. Mary! What's your favorite class so far? Mary says nothing and continues playing with her food. Avery squints from across the table. Okay, Mary, you haven't touched a thing. I'm having flashbacks to when you were four and your favorite foods became poison overnight. Do you need me to make you something else? Mary snaps out of it and scans the table, noticing all eyes are on her. Sorry, I just ate something bad, I think. I've been feeling like garbage all day. I told her not to eat the Mexican pizza, but she did it anyway. I think the taco meat was suspect. Mason and Avery look at each other and then back to Mary. Do you need to go lay down, kiddo? I can warm this up for you when you feel better. Yeah, maybe I should go finish up my homework. Thanks, Dad. Mary pushes herself away from the table, making eye contact with Alex as she walks away. Alex winks and continues to eat. Oh, why don't you tell me about your new jobs? How's the boss? Mary walks out of the kitchen as the conversation continues. We cut to Mary's bedroom. <clears throat> Mary enters her room, sits on the bed, and empties the contents of her backpack onto her comforter. We see a math book, history, English, and a thick leather-bound book with the title Vampire. She cracks open the pages, wraps herself in her covers, and starts to read. We see the words in the book, Unto Every Generation. Mary continues to read as the moonlight shines through her window. We cut to the diner. The diner is filled with patrons, many of them construction workers and their families. Lincoln and Fergie sit with half-eaten hamburgers on their plates, both looking exhausted and deflated. Finding it hard to stay motivated to do anything, knowing that monsters are real. It's crazy, right? I mean, we saw vampires yesterday and a, a freaking Frankenstein today. I, I wouldn't call Tim a Frankenstein. Apparently he's read the book and wasn't a fan. No, but really, man. How do we even go to school anymore? I mean, the girl next door is a vampire slayer? At least it's something different, eh? You're taking this all pretty damn well. I feel like I'm the only one freaking out about all this. I'm... I'm internalizing it. I promise you. The waitress arrives, table side, looking somewhat frazzled. Can I get you boys anything else? More nachos? Maybe some dessert? I'm good. What about you, Ferg? Nachos? Fergie looks out the window at the moon as the sky opens up and rain begins to fall. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. One order of nachos on the way, boys. I can always count on you. The waitress leaves. I don't think I've ever seen it rain here this time of year. Sunnydale is full of surprises. We cut to the bedroom. Mary sits on her bed, using her phone to help translate the agent text in front of her. She slowly turns the page and reads line after line of information about vampires, slayers, and the forces of darkness. We hear a knock on her door. Mary quickly stashes the book under her covers and pulls a history book out and cracks it open. Min! Avery enters the room, holding a stack of saltine crackers and a tall glass of water. Hey, I brought you some grub. You should probably stay away from the Mexican pizza. Yeah. It was a bad idea. Thanks, Mom. Avery places the crackers on the nightstand and plops down next to Mary. You know, honey, I'm always here if you need me. I know, Mom. I just... You know, this move was hard. And your father and I very much appreciate your sacrifice. 
we see images of past slayers falling by sword, strangulation, electrocution, and more. Mary regains her composure and looks her mom in the eyes. Can I ask you something, Mom? Yeah. Anything at all. Really. Mary pauses, frozen, looks Avery in the eyes, and backs down. Do you care if I join a few clubs? Avery raises an eyebrow and grabs her daughter by the knee, almost laying her hands on the vampire text under the covers. By all means, join some clubs. But if you want a car, you're going to have to start thinking about a part-time job, too. Mary nods and puts her head on Avery's shoulder. I want you to know that I'm here for you if you need me. No secrets. Avery stands up, kisses Mary on the forehead, and leaves the room. We cut back to the library. Mary, Alex, Lincoln, and Fergie stand leaning against the library shelves while Dr. Avalon shuffles around the room picking up various texts. We see the library doors swing open. Felicity enters with purpose. I trust you all slept well. Nobody says a peep. Not really. You? Felicity <laughs> smirks and briskly walks towards Alex and Mary, who are still sizing her up. I was talking with Dr. Avalon, and we've decided that she will handle research and problem solve while I focus on tactics and defense. We'll take some time to determine your strengths and weaknesses, and we'll adjust our training accordingly. What about the rest of us with no abilities? You don't need abilities to kill, Alex. I'm going to train you as if you possess your sister's gifts. <laughs> I feel like abilities would help, but... So, what's our motivation for doing all of this after school every day? Saving the world, Mr. Ferguson. Saving the world is your motivation. The group sits in silence until Dr. A breaks the ice. Fergie and Lincoln, you're with me today. We're going to do some reading. Yay! Harper's upstairs. We go to the second story of the library. Alex and Mary stand in front of the table filled with various weapons, daggers, stakes, crossbows, swords, flails, and sealed vials of various liquids. We're going to start things off slowly with hand-to-hand -hand combat and make our way through each of the weapons on this table. Mary walks over to the table and starts to examine all the weapons more closely. She picks up a wooden stake and squeezes it in her hand tightly. Why are you helping us? Felicity walks over to Mary and corrects her grip on the stake by wiggling her fingers to a more natural position. I've discovered that there are two schools of thought. The old watchers were hell-bent on destroying the forces of darkness, but after spending my formative teenage years hunting down every demon, vampire, and creepy crawly I could find, I've learned that a lot of them weren't all bad. Monsters are just people with a different coat of paint. So why do you need Mary? You seem to have everything figured out. Felicity moves unnaturally fast and delivers a spinning sweep that instantly knocks Alex off her feet and onto her back. <gasps> Alex quickly tries to get on her feet and fumbles with a nearby textbook. Mary steps forward, but before she can even react, Felicity disarms her stake and tosses it to the ground. Because I may not live forever. Are you ready to stop whining and start winning? Felicity offers her hand to Alex, who accepts and is yanked back to her feet. Very well. Let's get started, shall we? We begin a montage. Uh, Dr. Avalon and Felicity take turns training the group. It's fast-paced and their abilities seem to improve with every cut. Mary and Alex stand sparring with swords. Mary delivers a powerful swing that knocks the blade from Alex's hand. Dr. Avalon stands in front of a board translating Latin while Fergie and Lincoln sit nearby taking notes while looking wildly bored. Felicity stands behind Alex as she lines up a shot with her bow and arrow. Felicity corrects her stance by shifting her hips and correcting her posture. The shot is fired and lands close to the bullseye. Next shot, Felicity and Mary exchange fast-paced punches and blocks, with Felicity finally breaking Mary's guard. Next shot, Felicity shows Lincoln and Fergie how to throw a punch and how to block. Felicity nods as Lincoln's form improves. Next shot, Felicity and Mary spar quickly with swords, blocking each other's blows and keeping each other off balance. Next shot, Dr. Avalon mixes two chemicals together while Fergie and Lincoln watch closely. Fergie mixes red and blue vials together, causing a sparking explosion that ignites the tablecloth. Next shot, Alex breathes deeply and fires one arrow after another near the center of a bullseye while quickly pulling shafts from her quiver. Next shot, Mary hurls a stake into a nearby training dummy, which Alex yanks out and hurls into a further target. Final shot, Alex and Mary duel with swords. Once again, Mary knocks the blade from Alex's hand. 
This time, however, Alex backpedals, draws a dagger from her belt, and continues the offensive. And montage. Cut to the graveyard. Mary walks with Lincoln through the cemetery. Both are dressed in dark clothing and are armed to the teeth with stakes, blades, and holy water vials. Mary reaches to her belt, pulls out an older model walkie-talkie. Nothing to report. All clear here. Over. Sorry? You're supposed to say over when you finish talking to let the other person know you're done. Talking. Ah, I figured the whole me not talking anymore would give it away. Solid point. Mary places her walkie back on her belt, walks and stretches, clearly tired. So, how you holding up, Harper? Fine. I'm good. No, really. You don't have to be all stoic with me. I get it. I, I really do. Get what? That you're trying not to explode. It's exhausting. Mary looks at Lincoln, who looks away and starts to fiddle with his gear. They share a few moments of quiet before... I feel guilty. Guilty for what? I dragged all of you into this insanity because of what I am. You could be leading normal lives, yet here you are in a graveyard on a Wednesday night, patrolling. Uh, Mary twirls a blade between her fingers and makes eye, eye contact with Lincoln, who doesn't look away. She alone. You're not getting it. Getting what? This is normal life, Mary. We're damn lucky that we just, we know the truth. Everybody else is just living a fantasy. I just wish I could keep you all safe, that's all. I don't want any of you getting hurt. Just know that I've got your back no matter what. You saved me from two ass kickings now, and I think I have a life debt or something. Mary smiles and continues to twirl her blade between her fingers. Now, show me how you do that. So badass. Lincoln tries and fails to spin his blade. It falls to the ground. We cut to homeroom. Uh, Mary and Alex sit wide awake during homeroom while, while students around them play on their phones, showing each other memes while ignoring the morning announcements. We see Mary quickly doodling an image onto the exterior of her notebook. It's a crude sketch of a metal glove covered with spikes and sharp talon-like fingers. Alex leans over and takes a peek. What the hell is that? I don't know. I keep seeing it in my visions. You need to show Dr. A and Felicity. It could mean something. <sighs> I miss dreams meaning nothing. Nothing dreams. Mr. Holt walks over between the or Mrs. Holt. Who Mr. Holt? It was Mr. Holt. <laughs> Mr. Holt walks over between the sisters and shoots them a glare. Ladies. Holt points to the television and then gestures, shh. I don't care if you talk, I just don't want to hear you. We see Fergie and Nora at the anchor's desk of the Good Morning Sunnydale Morning Show. Well, Nora, the big night is just a few weeks away. Are you going to the homecoming dance? I don't know, Fergie. Are you asking me? Um, Fergie pauses awkwardly and looks into the camera. Just kidding, Fergie. I already have a date. We hear the sound of the classroom erupt in laughter at Fergie's expense. I figured as much, Nora. But did you know that you can still get your tickets for the spooky dance during lunch? I did know that, Fergie. Don't forget, everyone. The dance is from 8 to 11 in our illustrious gymnasium, and this year's theme is Halloween. So dress your spookiest. And we'll see you there. Alex leans over to Mary, who is still doodling on her notebook. So, we're really going to get tickets for this thing? Mom is making us something about the high school experience. You know, we can probably ditch with the gang at the library the whole time, right? Mary brightens up. We can throw some old movies on the projector and just relax. No bad dancing, no electric slide. I like this. We cut to the library. Mary and Alex finish sparring while Fergie and Lincoln stand nearby cheering them on. Finally, Mary catches Alex off guard and hip tosses her into a nearby table. Oh shit! Sorry, Alex. I didn't mean to. Alex pulls herself off the floor, winded with cuts and bruises covering her hands and knuckles. What is it? It's okay, really. Just broken tailbone. I'll add it to the list. 
You told me to stop pulling my punches. Normal girl here. I don't heal fast like you do. Felicity and Dr. Avalon approached with smiles on their faces. You all did well this week. Now go get some rest. Soon you dance. Alex smiles and slams her hip into Mary, who is fumbling with her backpack and not paying attention. Mary reaches into her bag and pulls out her doodle from homeroom. I've been seeing this in my visions, this thing. Felicity stares at the doodle as her expression changes from aloof to terrified. Glove of Minikin. Lincoln looks at the illustration over Felicity's shoulder. I would have named it something cooler. Power glove, maybe? Mary stares hard at the picture and then shifts her eyes to Felicity. These dreams feel different, not like a memory, more like I was seeing it as it was happening. Interesting. Felicity paces with her hand gripped tightly on her sword. The glove is sealed away inside a deep vault inside the catacombs. Only the blood of a slayer can unseal it. It's out of his reach. So we're all good? What does this glove do anyway? Minigun's glove is apparently god-forged. While the full extent of its abilities are unknown, we do know that it grants the wearer electrokinesis at a, at a price. What's the price? The glove can never be removed. It painfully fuses itself to the wearer until he or she dies. Dr. Avalon walks over to her chalkboard and writes, Tar Chugam Achumakt Minigan. To summon the lightning. And Tar Frim. To direct it. Lincoln quickly glances at the board and scribbles the words into his notebook. Say that three times fast. Fergie looks up. So why don't we all go down and get the glove and use it against... Alex taps her head, unable to remember the name. Minigon? Yeah, that guy. I mean, if we can get it before him, we're golden, right? Felicity paces with her hands behind her back and stares deeply at the sketch of the glove. If Minigon has indeed returned, you're not ready to face him. You may never be. So what's his deal? What makes him worse than the other vamps we fought? He's old. One of the oldest vampire lords on record. As vampires age, their powers and abilities increase exponentially. Felicity runs her hand across the handle of her sword and turns her, her gaze to Dr. Avalon. How do you know all this about him? Mary looks into Felicity's eyes, who turns away. He would kill us all. Engaging Minigon is not an option. Mary sees a flash of Felicity's death and places her hand on her forehead, fighting the pain of this vision. It's late. Let's break for today and take the weekend off to think things over. I'm sure the world will survive until Monday. I don't get it. We have. I will see you all in class tomorrow. Take the night off from patrolling. Things have been quiet. Get some rest. Alex stands quickly, grabs her bag, and heads out of the room. But Felicity stops her. Let her have a moment. Avalon and I will iron out a solid plan to scout for the glove. It's not of your concern right now. Your current mission is to find a costume for the homecoming dance. Fergie butts in and raises one eyebrow. Do you want to go? Go where? To the dance. I'd rather die. Again. Worth a shot. <laughs> Cut to the bedroom. Mary wakes up in a sweat, grasping at her chest. She's drenched and her hair is a mess. She stands, walks toward the window, and stares out into the street below. We see Mary eyeing the almost full moon as she wipes the moisture from her hair, face, and eyes. She cracks open her window and breathes in some fresh air. We hear the sound of crickets, wind, and little else. Screw it. Mary slides on her sneakers, hops out the window, and hits the ground below, running. Cut to the high school hall's night. We see the doors of the school burst open with a forceful kick. Mary confidently walks down the halls of the school, which are only illuminated by emergency lights and exit signs. She strolls down the hallway to the AV room, breaks off the doorknob with a single twist, and moves inside. We cut to the AV room, closet. Mary shoves the bookshelf out of the way, revealing a ladder that leads into the catacombs. She pops a flashlight out of her bag and shines it into the darkness. Now or never... She slides the ladder down into the catacombs below. 
Cut to the sunken library. Mary strolls into the library and quickly moves towards a cache of weapons stored on the back table. We see various stakes, holy water vials, crossbows, flails, and Felicity's silver blade with a small red bow attached to it. Mary moves to the blade, cautiously removes the bow, and smiles. Unexpected. After strapping herself with gear from around the room, Mary takes off back into the darkness of the catacombs. Cut to the Harper's house. Fergie and Lincoln stand in the lawn below Alex's window, tossing pebbles at the glass. You sure that was her, man? Was her? She's also not picking up her phone. Lincoln continues peppering the window with pebbles. Cut to Alex's room. Alex springs awake after hearing the sound of rocks on glass. She flicks on her light, runs to the window, and slides it open. I'm seriously going to murder you two! Alex shoots Fergie and Lincoln a tired but deadly serious glance. We cut to the house. Lincoln's face contorts as he makes prey hands up at Alex to indicate that he's very sorry. Alex! Where is your sister? Where's Mary? We cut back to Alex's room. Alex runs out of the room and returns moments later with a terrified look on her face. She quickly throws on some clothes and hops out the window, closing it behind her. Cut to the streets. Alex, Lincoln, and Fergie quickly walk down the center of the street toward the direction of the school. You saw her? Where was she going? How come you didn't get me sooner? She ran by my window in a hurry. You're not exactly easy to wake up. Alex shoots Lincoln a grumpy glance and continues walking down the streets. She was headed toward the school, maybe ten minutes ahead of us. What the hell is she going to the school for? The trio continue briskly walking toward Sunnydale High School. Guys, you don't think she'd try and get the glove herself, would she? The three silently stop in the road for a moment. I'm going to kill her. My mom is going to kill her. Everyone is going to kill her. Lots of killing! Alex, Fergie, and Lincoln take off running toward the school. We cut back to the catacombs. Mary wanders through the darkness with a torch lighting her way. She sees flashes of tunnels from her uh, earlier vision showing her which, ways, which way to take. Slowly, the tunnels seem to widen. Looks promising. We cut to the vault chamber. As Mary rounds the corner, we see a massive domed cavern hundreds of feet high. A ten-foot-wide bridge leads to a square vault in the center of the chamber. There is nothing but blackness on either side of the bridge, indicating that it is a very, very long way down. Bingo. Nobody is home. Mary slowly walks across the bridge and is illuminated only by torchlight. She approaches the stone cube in the center of the room, adorned with the seal she saw in her dreams many times. I should have probably asked how this works. She places her hand on the seal, pauses, and looks at Felicity's blade. Here goes nothing. Mary runs the blade across the palm of her hand, causing the blood to flow. She slaps her hand on the seal and the vault slowly begins to slide open, revealing a wooden box on a pedestal surrounded by withered flowers, some straw, and broken seashells. Yoink. Mary grabs the wooden box and pops it, props it open. We see an ornate metal gauntlet with sharp talons and barbed clamps on the bracer that look like they hurt like hell. Hello, ugly. We cut back to the library. Alex, Lincoln, and Fergie burst into the library in a frantic rush. Mary! It was nice of her to leave all the doors open for us. She must have gone down into the catacombs to find that... The Glove of Minigon. Yes, that! Fergie walks over to the table. We see numerous stakes, crossbows, blades, and holy water vials, as well as a red decorative bow. Looks like she got a gift. Fergie picks up the bow and holds it up in the air for the others to see. We have to go get her. She can't go down there alone. It's insane. How? It's not like she left a trail of breadcrumbs. It is a literal maze down there, and we don't have GPS. Lincoln loses his cool and tosses a thick book across the room. Alex plops down in one of the nearby chairs, puts her head in her hands, and stares into the distance, lost. Lincoln approaches and puts his hand on Alex's shoulder. I can't lose her, Link. Fergie holds up the red bow and slowly brings it up to his nose and breathes in deeply. Uh, Ferg? Fergie takes another deep breath. Is he huffing that ribbon? Yeah. I don't... Fergie smiles and looks toward Alex and Lincoln. I keep up. 
All right, we cut back to the vault chamber. Mary turns to walk across the long stone bridge leading out of the vault, when suddenly we hear the chattering of teeth clicking together in the darkness. Well, shit. Mary tosses her torch into the middle of the path, and we see half a dozen feral vampires standing at the end of the bridge, blocking her path. Behind them, smirking, is Minigon, clad in dark armor with pale skin and a flowing red cape. A cape? Really? Minigon points to Mary, and the vampires charge across the bridge. Mary reaches into a pouch on her belt and hurls two vials of holy water underhanded at the rushing vampires. They ignite and run screaming off the edge of the bridge into the abyss. She takes a wide stance and grips Felicity's blade with two hands. She swings hard and lops the head off the next advancing vampire, who explodes into a large burst of dust. A lanky, feral vampire with long claws howls and charges Mary at high speed. She steps quickly out of the way, sticks her foot out, and trips him into the chasm. Oops! From the darkness, another dozen vampires emerge and charge across the bridge, hissing. Mary squints her eyes and charges them head on. We cut to the catacombs. Fergie races through the catacombs in a hunched position, sniffing, with Alex and Lincoln in tow. They move at a sprint. We hear a faint sound of fighting in the distance. You could have said something, man! Fergie raises his hand to silence Lincoln, turns, and runs down a nearby tunnel. D did you hear something? Fergie nods and continues sprinting down the hall. Fighting ahead. Lots of it. We cut to the vault chamber. Mary is surrounded by piles of dust and a few mortally wounded vampires missing limbs while crawling away quickly. Blood and dust covers her face and her arms shake from exhaustion. Through the dust and chaos, Minigon approaches, slowly, with a devilish grin. I am impressed. Minigon kicks one of the wounded vampires into the chasm below. For a new slayer, you fight very well. Come a little closer, and I'll show you just how well. That sword, I recognize it. Yeah, Felicity sends her regards. She was a fighter, that one. I gave her the ultimate gift for her. Moxie. Sadly, that is not a courtesy I shall extend to you. Minigon moves blindingly fast and closes on Mary before she can complete a single swing of her blade. He delivers a devastating punch to her chest, causing Mary to double over in agony. Mary twists, slashing hard in Minigon's direction, but his black armor absorbs the blow. Minigon grabs Mary by the chest and lofts her high into the air at eye level. That's the problem with slayers. So much hubris. But in the end, you always fail to back it up. Minigon slams Mary into the stone bridge multiple times, and we see her consciousness start to fade. Felicity's sword drops from Mary's grasp and bounces to the edge of the bridge. I want to thank you. I couldn't have gotten my artifact without your help. Rest easy, Slayer. Minigon's massive hand wraps around Mary's throat as she flails, attempting to break his grasp. She fumbles with a holy water vial, but it slips through her bloodied fingers and shatters harmlessly on the ground. Alex, Fergie, and Lincoln sprint into the chamber, only to see Mary and Minigon's grasp on the far end of the bridge. Oh, good. You brought friends. Now they can watch you die. Minigon continues to squeeze Mary's neck until her flailing stops and her eyes roll back in her head. I do love a good show. Good night, Slayer. Minigon tosses Mary into the stone walls of the crypt. She bounces off with a sickening thud and lays motionless, surrounded by dust piles of slain vampires. Mary! No! Alex collapses to her knees, overcome with emotion. Her weapons fall to the ground and she begins to weep. Minigon turns and begins to slowly walk toward the group. It was very foolish for you children to come down here. Lincoln looks past Minigon and notices the glove resting in a pile of debris near Mary's body. The glove. We need to get the glove. Alex, can you fight? Alex says nothing and buries her head in her hands. Alex, we have to move! Fergie steps between them. She's done, man. I'll distract him. 
when his attention's on me, get the glove and find a way out of here. Lincoln tilts his head and looks at Fergie. Trust me on this one. Lincoln nods and kneels to console Alex as Fergie slowly starts to walk toward Minigon, who is easily three times his size. We see Fergie stealthily pop the cap off a holy water vial in his belt. Hey, buddy! Minigon closes on Fergie and stands only a few feet away. I have to say, I appreciate the cape. You don't see... Minigon rushes at Fergie and scoops him off his feet, holding him high off the ground in one hand. <laughs> Fergie quickly yanks the holy water vial from his belt and cracks it over Minigon's head like a raw egg. <laughs> the holy water sizzles on Minigon's scalp, and we see a sinister grin creep across his face. Go! Go! Lincoln sprints down the bridge past Minigon and Fergie towards Mary's corpse and the glove. You fools will suffer for these games. Minigon takes a massive bite out of Fergie's neck and begins to drink. Suddenly, he stops, disgusted by the taste, and spits a mouthful of blood into Fergie's smiling face. Not what you were expecting? Minigon scowls, grabs Fergie by the throat, and tosses him into the abyss below like a rag doll. We hear the sound of Fergie screaming. <laughs> As he falls. Just then, we see Alex surrounded by a yellow energy source. It leaps into her body, and she's instantly energized. The Slayer Force. Alex stands tall, wipes the tears from her eyes, and starts to briskly walk toward Minigon. What do we have here? Alex quickly draws a bow from her back and starts to unload arrows in Minigon's direction. One bounces harmlessly off his shoulder armor, another he blocks with his wrist, and the third pierces the flesh of his ear. Minigon stops, checks the blood, grimaces, and charges. Come on! Alex jumps through the air and lands a devastating kick to Minigon's head. Minigon staggers, draws a short blade from his belt, and attacks. Alex unsheaths two stakes and goes on the offensive, landing blow after blow on Minigon, but the wood is unable to pierce his armor. She springs backwards and throws a flask between his legs, lighting his cape on, on fire. Nice cape, asshole! Ignoring the flames, Minigon charges toward Alex, enraged with his sword held high. Alex lands a perfect strike with her stake into his breast, but his armor reduces a sharpened wood to splinters. And now, child, you die too. Minigon slams Alex hard on the ground, knocking her down. <sighs> he, de he delivers a series of swift kicks to her stomach as she struggles to get up. Just then, we see a flash of blue light from the far end of the vault chamber. Lincoln holds his arm, wincing in pain, as the glove of Minigon latches itself into his muscles and bone. Shit. What was it? Say it three times fast. Say it three times fast. Lincoln holds his arm high in the air as tears roll down his face. Talk too much. Shit. To, to summon the lightning. Lincoln bangs the metal glove against his head in an effort to remember. A colossal bolt of electricity bursts through the catacombs and charges the glove of blue energy. Minigon turns and starts to approach Lincoln with his blade pointed in his direction. You dare use the glove against me! I will sever it from your scrawny arm! Lincoln smiles and turns towards Mary's lifeless body. Oh... I'm not using it on you, big guy. Tar firm! Blue energy surrounds Lincoln as he points the gauntlet in Mary's direction. His eyes glow blue with cosmic energy. Tar firm! A bolt of electricity leaps into Mary's body, causing her to spasm and shake as her heart is jolted back to life. For a moment, there is nothing but silence until we hear Mary gasp for air and say, <laughs> battered, bloody, but very much alive. Alex crawls toward Minigon and sees her sister starting to stand. Mary? Mary gives an exhausted thumbs up and forces herself back on her feet. No matter. I'll just have to kill you again. Mary scoops Felicity's blade off the ground and points it in Minigon's direction. Behind you, asshole. Alex sprints towards Minigon and delivers a powerful spin kick to his back, forcing him to stagger toward Mary. Mary draws a stake from a belt and tosses it with precision, striking Minigon in his left eye. He hisses 
and begins to yank the stake out of his eye while hissing angrily. Alex somersaults over Minigon and lands next to Mary. Lincoln looks at the duo, wide-eyed. Nice arm. We see Alex, Mary, side by side with Lincoln, standing behind them, radiating with power. A V-club motherfucker. <laughs> Alex leaps towards Minigon, hurling two daggers into his breastplate. He staggers closer to the edge. Mary advances and drives Felicity's sword into his chest, penetrating the black armor. Minigon smiles and sl start, slowly starts to pull the sword out of his chest. <laughs> I am older than the walls of Rome. I... Lincoln steps between Mary and Alex with the glove aimed in Minigon's direction. You're toast, Grandpa. Parfrim! The glove vibrates and unleashes a massive bolt of energy into the handle of Felicity's sword, which acts like a lightning rod, sending pure energy into Minigon's body. Lincoln continues to hold the beam onto the sword until Minigon vibrates for a few moments and explodes before their eyes, leaving behind only a pile of scattered bones and a black suit of armor. For a moment, the three stand in silence, looking at the husk on the ground that was Minigon. I think he's dead. Mary. Are you not dead? Mary, Alex, and Lincoln share a long hug and eventually collapse onto the bridge, surrounded by broken stakes, arrows, holy water, blood, and severed limbs. God, Fergie! Alex rushes, rushes over to the edge where Fergie was thrown off. Mary and Lincoln follow her to the edge, and they all look down. What happened to Fergie? Oh, God! Mary grabs a flashlight and throws it into the abyss. It falls for a very long time before it hits with a thud and turns off. He... No way. I'm going down there. I... We hear the sound of rubble shifting on the far end of the bridge, followed by some coughing. We see Fergie <laughs> limping toward the group from the far end of the bridge, covered with dirt and lots of blood. Hey, guys. The group charges Fergie in awe <laughs> and smothers him with love. He smiles and leans all of his weight on Lincoln. <laughs> You guys really look like shit. I don't understand. How did you... Lincoln smiles and pats Fergie on the back. I have uh, a condition. I thought we lost you, bro. Mary slowly nods and starts to wipe the grime off Fergie's face with her sleeve. Can't believe we're alive. Alex spins and examines the carnage on the bridge. So... We won? Fergie, Fergie notices the glove on Lincoln's hand. Power glove. Cool. Lincoln holds the glove up, the holes in his arm cauterized after he used it. Let's go home. Anyone want to grab a snack? I'm starving. The group huddles up and walks back into the maze-like catacombs and vanishes into the darkness. We cut for a moment. We're back in the catacombs. Soon after the AV club descends into the tunnels, we see a bright light illuminate the vault chamber. Nora casually walks across the bridge, flanked by several hooded figures with dark cloaks. The bridge is littered with blood, weapons, and shattered glass. Damn, Harper's busy night. Nora bends down and picks up a wooden stake covered with fresh blood. <sighs> Looks like we missed the party. Not sorry. Uh, Nora eyes the open vault and spins to address the group. No sign of the glove, but scoop up this barbecue and throw it in some Ziplocs or something. We see the bones of Minigon as well as his black armor still sizzling from his destruction. Some more goodies to help burn this town to the ground. Again. And the end of part two. Yay! <laughs> so many slayers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much that was oh, awesome so, so fun you guys kill i can't wait to actually watch it now rather than staring at the page i'm gonna <laughs> watch this um you guys are fantastic i again i'm forever in your debt this was a, a dream come true for a nerdy dude so thank you guys so much <laughs> it's this great. was an absolute hey, dream yeah. yes, so amazing. the absolute best um,